0: Good evening to you all. It's good to be here. It's good to see you all out for the middle of the service week. Um, if I didn't get a chance to already, let me introduce my cousin, who's here from Chicago. And uh, she's here um, with her daughter and her husband, uh, dropping her daughter off to school. Going to Marquette this year, freshman year in Marquette, and uh, coming from Chicago here. So, Sandy, Sandy, would you just let everybody know who you are? Good. <laughs> i thought it was amazing that uh, even though she has just a short stay and it ended up on wednesday she came to church with us so that's that's a blessing praise god for that <clears throat> So if you didn't get the chance to already at least uh, during or after service uh, introduce yourself and and uh let her know who you are acts chapter 13 is our series tonight we'll start at verse 16 as we look at the theme and so we pray looking at the events, how um, God started with getting the gospel out, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into to the uttermost parts of the world, looking at his plan that is still in effect today and how we can be a part of that. And because of his plan, we pray. We pray tonight um, because of what God is doing. So let's take a look. Last time we looked at this uh, last week and we saw... Um, how Paul and his team were given an opportunity. They were going on the Sabbath day, and they were doing that because that's when their people, the Jews, met regularly on Sabbath for worship. Now, Christians meet on Sunday, and there's a reason for that, and it's a good reason. The Jews base their practice on the law, the Old Testament law, and now we know that the law is fulfilled in Christ, and so we have a new we have a, a a savior who brings in what what the old testament calls the new covenant um and because he rose again on the first day of the week the believers we see in acts began to worship on the first day of the week and that's a sunday and that's why we still worship today on that special day of sunday because it represents his resurrection and we we, we worship then so paul and his team uh, would come into a city and they would uh, come on that Sabbath because they knew all the Jews met then and they could get, a, get their attention and speak to them. We also noticed that Paul after being there in that service, he waited, he listened and he, when it was his time to speak, he spoke. And he, uh, they gave him permission to speak and today we're going to look at what it is he, had, he has to say. Uh, and, and what we're looking at there is the Gospel. If I can grab my notes here. Paul is going to rehearse. He's, he's speaking to a Jewish group, because that's his people, and he's going to speak to them and relate to them in in, in terms they can understand, and he's going to present the Gospel to them in some way that they very much understand, um, and so he's going to talk about the Jewish history and God's dealing with the Jew. In fact, one of the reasons why people ask today, um, why are we so uh, interested in, in in why is the Bible so tied around uh, Jewish heritage and the Jewish people, and and um, why do we still look at that today? Uh, well, because that's what God's plan was. Uh, you'll see in in the Gospels, and you'll see particularly in Acts, where they speak of, hey, look, the Gospel came to the Jews first, and they rejected it, and from there, God's plan was to to bring it to all the world. And so the history of the Gospel is linked together with the history of the Jewish nation, and we'll see how Paul begins to to speak on that. Um, Starting in verse 16, remember, uh, it says, so Paul stood up in motion with his hands and said, and he begins to speak. He's speaking in the Jewish synagogue, and this is what he says. The first thing, he talks about the history of Israel, how God chose them. That's very important in their history. Why is the people of Israel special? Is because God chose them. But what you'll notice, though, is God chose them to be a physical people uh, to, to broadcast his name. He chose us today, the church, to be his people, to take his name. And the church is all who believe in Christ. And we are chosen by him. So he says this in verse 16. Um, Where am I? There we go. So Paul stood up in motion with his hand and said, Men of Israel, you who fear God, listen, the God of this people Israel chose our fathers. That's the first point I want to make. He chose. He chose. Uh, um, selected remember when he chose Abraham and and he gave a promise to Abraham and from there on we see the descendants of Abraham and a select group of people Abraham Isaac and Jacob why is that special he'll answer that so let, let me let him answer as we go the second point in verse 17 is he delivered his people from slavery in the event we call the exodus and that's very important and it should mark Jewish history, and it does today. Even today, Jews today celebrate the Exodus, and they celebrate the Passover, don't they? Uh, the Passover, of course, you, you, you're familiar with that, is the, when, when, when God was going to take the firstborn of Israel, and excuse me, the firstborn of everyone, and uh, he told all of Israel to put blood on their doorposts, on the top and on the sides, and he passed over those who obeyed that, and believed in God and had faith those who didn't do that had death throughout their family so the Exodus is what he talks about verse 18 look it's interesting what he says there And about for about 40 years he put up with them in the wilderness (laughs) that's so true isn't it There was times when when God could have in his judgment just say look I had enough but he forbear he put up that's another way of saying he was gracious when people did not deserve his patience and his kindness, he continued with his people even though they, they weren't faithful to him. And so we see that. Then in the next point, in verse 19 and 20, he gave them the land. In other words, he fulfilled his promise to them. He did exactly what he said he would do. Remember Abraham, way back 400 years before the Exodus, he told Abraham, I am going to choose you, and I'm going to give you a people, um, and I'm going to give you a land. And that's exactly what he did. He fulfilled his promise. He gave them a land. The next part in their history that Paul rehearses with them is uh, in verse 20, uh, the period of Judges. It says, uh, all all this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel, Samuel, the prophet. So Paul is rehearsing their history. Now all of them are very familiar with this, so their heads are shaking. Uh, and why is Paul doing this? Because he's 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 uh, uh, relating to them and doing a common point that they all understand and they all agree. God has been working in their history. They what they don't understand is this: what. What, the, what is the point? What is God leading to? Why, is he, why has he done what he's done in the Old Testament history? And, and what is he, uh, what, what is, what is he going to bring about? And so he goes through that. In verse 21 and 22 he talks about the period of, of the king, starting with Saul. And he emphasizes Saul because Saul was the first king. And then David. And something he says about David that we always remember, he's a man after God's own heart, isn't he? And that, that, is, that is so true and it's so special. David was special in so many ways. And God told David that through him, there will be a child born who would rule over all of his people. David had ruled over the people of Israel, but God was speaking in a whole new sense that there was going to be a son, a literal son of David, who was going to rule over God's people. And so... God is using the history of Israel to talk about the history of the earth, all people. That's why we look at the history of Israel, because every single soul is connected that way, because that's God's plan. So he goes on about Saul, and he goes on about David. And the emphasis on, on David is that from David, verse 23 now, from David would be born a son, a king, a savior. A savior. Look what he says in verse 23. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Now, this is a key point in Paul's talk. Because this, all of this history, they understood and they accepted. Now he gets to the point of what God was doing in the history. And what is he saying? It all points to Jesus. Je- now, this they would have not understood. And he's going to explain why they didn't quite understand and get that. But if you get all of this history and miss the main point, it's like pointless. Most people don't know what in the world is going on, literally. They don't know what's happening in the world. They don't know what God is doing. Paul is explaining. The gospel makes sense of all of history. I remember when I was in school, I, I hated history. It just seems like a bunch of numbers, a bunch of people, a bunch of dates. As I got older, it became more and more important to me, and I could see how God is working in history. Have you ever looked at your own history, your family line? And, and uh, it, it becomes more interesting when you see how you are connected to history. For all this gospel. In verse 20, um, 24 and 25, he says that this Jesus, um, there's some prophecies about him. John the Baptist talked about Jesus and prophesied about Jesus. He was saying there's a coming one who's greater than me. He, he, Paul is saying this, this Jesus is the one. He is the one. We can speak the same gospel to people today because they're thinking Bible, old time, doesn't relate to my life. What they don't understand is this Jesus is the one, the only one who can save, who can deliver. And so Paul begins to, to share this with them. He goes on, verse 27, and he talks more about their, their current history. There would have been people alive when Paul was talking then who, had, who were alive when Jesus was born, who was alive when Jesus... Uh, was crucified who was alive when Jesus uh, was resurrected in fact most of those people there were if, if they if they were more than uh, 15 years old they were alive when all of those events uh, at least the, the death and the resurrection of Christ happened they would have they would have been there so he was talking about their current history verse 27 when he says this those, for those who lived in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utter, utterances of the prophets. That's a key part. They're saying the people didn't, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know who Jesus was, but he's saying, I'm here to tell you who he is. They didn't understand who Jesus was because they didn't understand the Old Testament and the prophecies from the Old Testament. But Paul is giving the gospel to them. He also says this, Because they didn't understand, verse 28, they sought to kill Jesus. They didn't have the authority to do that, so they went through the law, they went through Pilate and tried to have him um, executed. This is where the blame points to them at this time. While they were trying to put Jesus to death, Paul makes the point that this Jesus was guiltless, he had done no wrong, but they tried to have him executed. In fact, not only tried, they did. They were successful in having him executed. Verse 29 points to the fact that at, while they're doing that, they are fulfilling scripture. They're fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus as they sought to have him put to death. Verse 30, this Jesus God raised from the dead God raised from the dead as I mentioned then the people that Paul were talking to they were they would have been alive it's kind of like uh, um, 9-11 you know um, unless, you, unless you're still in school now but you know, if you were 17-18 years older you're old enough to remember that very day that's how they would have been about Jesus death and resurrection. They would have been able to relate to the very day. And so he spoke on that. There's evidence to his being raised from the dead. There were people around. There were witnesses who were still living at that day. Um, And in verse 31 he brings that up. Verse 33 through 37 he talks about um, the scripture that's fulfilled in Jesus' Uh, resurrection in other words what he's saying is look you may not have known it but the old testament said all of these things would happen and the old testament point to the fact that this jesus is the very one he fulfills all what the old testament says that is something that struck them and we see the response and we're going to end on this in verse 42 and 43 as they went out the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath they wanted to hear more <coughs> they wanted to hear more um, and then as we mentioned last week they when when they came back the next week almost the whole city had come out to hear what was going on to hear the gospel Paul is speaking the gospel he has committed himself to taking the gospel all across the land it's reached out now past the Jews and onto the Gentiles but even as he goes into these cities he, at this city he starts at the Jewish synagogue on Saturday on the Sabbath and he, he, he has an opportunity and he simply takes the history that these people are very familiar with and points them to Jesus that's what we need to do today is take people today when the experiences that they have right now And point to them the significance of Jesus in this day right now. They need to see that. We need to make that come alive to the gospel coming out from that. And we see God working as a result of that gospel being spoken.
1: Meditation, we're going to be in Ezekiel continuing. The came to me, Son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Then take another stick and write on it, For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him, and join them one to another into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, Will you tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, But hold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph that is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join with it the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, that they may be one in my hand. When the sticks on which you write are in your hand before their eyes, then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and will gather them from all around, and bring them into their own land. And and I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them all. And they shall no longer be two nations, no longer divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols and their detestable things, or with any. I will save them from all their backslidings in which they have sinned, and will cleanse them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. And I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel, for my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. One partly and one yet to be fulfilled. He says, I will join them into one stick. And what he told Ezekiel to do, put them in his hands together, like this and
0: look
1: like one. That was an illustration. People were like, why are you doing that? They have been fighting for hundreds of years. Ever since Solomon's son Rehoboam foolishly said he would tax the people even harder than his father Solomon did, they rebelled. And they never accepted the kingdom of Judah, even though God had set him up as a one people. And he further says their king will be David. Now we know at this point David is dead. So who could he be speaking of? Jesus, right? We call him the greater David. He's David. He fulfills all the promises. You really think God set David up to rule forever? No, he set up Jesus to rule forever. And he set him up. And what my dad was saying is true. We need to think about Jesus. And I don't mean that in a Sunday school answer, but I mean that for real, we will serve Jesus. He then makes a further promise. He said, I will be their God. You could say it's in heaven. But we could also say sanctuary is right here. I speak to him every day. And you know what? I don't really have to look to heaven to speak to him. I can look in here. But that's where he's at. In fact, that's the beauty of meditation if you are saved, right? You meditate and the reason you like to think The reason you like to commune with your own thoughts is because God is in you, right? He's not in everybody, but he's in you. And you talk to him. And by being quiet, you let him speak. It's like when you have a conversation and you talking and you talking and you talking. You know what? The other person don't get a thing to say. But when you meditate, you say, okay, hold up, God. I said enough. Your turn. That's why you got to be quiet when you meditate. You're not being quiet because there's something magical about being quiet. When you give him that space to talk, he he promised that he will be there. This is partially fulfilled today, right? Jesus is our king. Is he not? Is he your king? He's my king. God does dwell with us, but it's only partially fulfilled because we know it's going to be even better fulfilled in the future. When Jesus is king over the whole earth when God's sanctuary actually comes down from heaven and what we commune with the Holy Spirit today will be a pale imitation of when we actually see him face to face and it's going to be a glorious day we all going to cry when we first see him because we all yearn for that sanctuary every time that we see the weather is not quite what it should be, we yearn. Every time we see a death, every time we look at our pocketbook and we don't got enough, we yearn. Every time we see sickness, we see death, we see a child drown in the lake, we yearn for his sanctuary where that will not happen. That's what we live for. We live for Friday. We live for heaven. We have to set our sights further. And the further you set your sights, more likely you doing tonight. All right, so I'm going to have two people pray tonight, and one thing that I want to focus on with the prayers is, I think too, as, in, as Pastor mentioned last week, um, we put up a special prayer for Jonathan. I want someone else to continue to pray for Jonathan as he's struggling right now. That's what I had on Sunday, and if she does, it's going to be horrific next couple days. So pray for her that she feels better, because it was not fun. I am so happy to be back to myself. She's probably settled in, but...